0: the free for all round table
1: Round one. On round one today, Dave Trafford is here, host and producer of On The Ledge, the Ontario politics podcast. Courtney Betty from Betty's Law, obviously a Toronto lawyer. Um, Jerry Agar is supposed to be in studio. Have we found him? Has he gone missing? Is he working from home? What's going on? Maybe he was
2: insulted because I called you, Jerry.
1: I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll start without him. This is kind of like my parents on Sunday night. You don't show up on time for dinner. They start eating. Um, Let me start with uh, Courtney Betty and your thoughts on age. Police officers being deployed to the TTC. This is sort of the shock therapy. I thought we needed. I, I don't. I hope it doesn't have to last, but I think it's going to make a difference. You know, in the near term.
3: Well, um, in the near term, John, because we do have a crisis situation that's just um, creating a lot of fear in people in terms of utilizing our transit system, which is shocking when you think about Toronto. Right, that people actually may feel more comfortable um in in other situations but i think on the long term we need to see how we get individuals trained that are transit officers that have similar skills of being able to detect individuals that could be problematic i think it's not the solution of putting on a a long-term solution but for now at least it's going to give riders some level of comfort
1: Here's John Tory at yesterday's press conference where the announcement was made and he was hitting on the note that we identified this week as well which is we finally got to that tipping point where people were saying I don't want to be anywhere near the TTC.
2: I know many people who use the TTC, the passengers are anxious and even scared and they must know that we are doing everything we can that will be helpful to address their concerns and to make sure everyone remains safe and feel that their security concerns are being addressed knowing that there is more to do.
1: And Dave Trafford, I'll turn to you. And uh, of course, we all have to bear in mind the chief of police is going to be live in studio at 8.05 this morning, probably listening right now in his car. No, he's here. Oh, he's Couple. here. He's here. You met him? Well, no, but I saw... No, I didn't bother him, but he's sitting at a table. Oh, okay. Uh, go ahead, Dave.
0: A couple things. The um, I think what the mayor talks about is is important in as much as there is a perception around the issue that the TTC is facing, and and that might be entirely separate and apart from the reality of what's actually going on. So I'm I, this reminds me a little bit of putting uh, cops in schools. After Jordan Manners was killed. We did that because it made us feel better. Eventually, you know, we pulled the plug on that and and, and then, you know, we saw the the after effects of that. So I, I'm not quite sure that, you know, in that case that I would agree with Courtney in terms of it being the, the short term solution. I think it's going to be a hard thing to back out of, first of all. Second, I'm not sure that in the short term it's going to change the perception. I don't think I would want to take my granddaughter on the TTC today. And she's all excited about riding on a streetcar. So this is going to be a long-term effect, I think.
3: Jerry? Yeah. Just just following oh. up on that quickly, Dave. I mean, I was the one that played a leading role in getting the, those police officers in the school following the death of Jordan Manners. And I think it was one of the best things we ever did. You know, well, to I agree. get those yeah. police officers in there, and, I, I um,
1: support the program. I don't know why yeah. it's so incendiary.
3: Yeah. Well, you, you know, you could talk to your pal issue.
1: Shelley
2: Carroll when she comes on, yes. because she's one of the people responsible for this not happening, and she'll give you like statistical gobbledygook when the actual statistics are that nobody wanted the cops out. Yeah, she just there's, listened there's to crazy big,
3: activists. There's a bigger issue here. We're having a lot of crime in Toronto. So the TTC is just one part of it. We've got a bigger problem having in our society. This is just one element that we've got to address. Um,
1: New study out this morning. We were talking to one of the authors, because he's in the UK, at 5.35 in the morning. But uh, according to their number crunching, uh, disinformation about COVID killed 2,800 Canadians and required hospitalizations that cost $300 million we would not otherwise have spent. Jerry Igar, Deb Hutton was on, you were probably listening, and was quite dubious about these numbers. Well, I can understand
2: that, but I thought that he made uh, a decently logical argument. I mean, you look at it and you say, and this is the kind of thing that I've been saying, tell me why if 83% of Canadians are vaccinated, half of the people in ICU or dead um, are from the unvaccinated. Clearly, there's a difference. If you don't think that's a difference, then you you know you've got your head in the wrong place, uh, and that must be uncomfortable. But uh, where does that misinformation come from? Two of the people who get blamed online, John, for uh, for being in the pocket of Big Farmer, are specifically you and me. Oh yeah, uh, you know. But it's those crazies We're out sheeple. there. Yes, it's those crazies out there that are responsible to some degree for 2,800 deaths. The people most responsible, the people who didn't go get vaccinated, they're
1: responsible for themselves. But I think you can suss out those kinds of numbers. Dave, I found this a really disturbing report because I think a lot of the people who share bogus information um, think that they're engaging in mischief, but they may have killed some people.
0: Well, in, in fact, yeah, you're right. And, and it, whether they did so intentionally or not is really beside the point. The the uh, the question here, though, is, and I love that you talked to him. And you know, basically, said, "Show me your work." Yeah. Remember that was the chorus all the way through the pandemic when the medical officer of health would come out with their modeling and and they would say, "This is what's going to happen if we do nothing. This is going to be the worst case scenario." And I had to laugh at people say, so, "Well, it never happened because we didn't do nothing. We actually took action, whether it was in vaccines or." lockdowns and whether mask and whether you liked it or not, yeah. it had a positive effect in the end. This is exactly the same kind of modeling. It's the same kind of science-based, uh, you know, uh, research that we wanted all the way along. This is the outcome and the effect of not following, you know, whether it was the mandates or getting the vaccines. It was costly. Although, Courtney, I, I've almost given up in trying to push back against the
1: people who continue to circulate bogus information. I've spent a lot of time on the phone with uh, doctors and epidemiologists talking about this fiction that people are dropping dead from heart attacks all over the
3: world because of the vaccine, but you just can't squelch it. Well, I think, John, you've hit on the on the point there. It's, it's a double-edged sword. You have individuals that are out there that are, you know, maybe making arguments so that we would consider a hoax. But you also have messaging from the people in authority that sort of allows individuals to buy into that in many ways. I mean, we it's not being a very smooth messaging from the authorities, from the federal, provincial government in terms of how they went through the COVID strategy. So as a result, you have skepticism and then others come in and they feed it with the hoax and then the skepticism grows. Um, Ottawa may meddle according to the federal
1: environment minister with Ontario's greenbelt plan and Dave Trafford. I don't know. Maybe he's just talking off the top of his head because that would not go over well.
0: Well, we're back to this sort of suck and blow version of of politics at all levels, because on the one hand, the Ford government will say, you know, we're in our lane, leave us alone, we can do this, we've got the authority to do this. On the other hand, now we've got the federal minister saying, I've got the authority, I can do this. So either that argument works in both cases, or it doesn't work at all. So we can't say, you know, that the feds uh, are out of their lane if we're saying that the province has the right to do what it's doing because it has the jurisdiction. Basically the the laws that he wants to uh, review some of these projects with is in his lane. And whether you agree with the the concerns over chorus frogs or whatever it might be that they're going to worry about, that's beside the point. I mean, essentially, I don't think we can have this discussion and say one's wrong and one's right if they're both using their own jurisdiction. Terry, you and I disagree about the green belt, but uh, I think we would agree that maybe the feds should stick to their knitting.
2: Yeah, but what we've got here is a crazy
1: activist who's in charge of the environment file for the nation. And
2: we have a situation in our country where Dave is right, whether it's right or wrong, and I think it's wrong. Um, various levels of government can Bigfoot other levels. I mean, that, that's what led to John Tory saying uh, having to go to short, in short pants to Queen's Park in order to get something done. He's the mayor of the largest city in the country, and he has to suck up to the province. It shouldn't be that way. And it, and the provinces should not have to
1: listen to some an activist like Gilbo on what we do here in Ontario. Uh, I want to move to a different federal file, but I'll start with you on this one, Courtney Betty, and that is the Commissioner of the Revenue agency saying it's not worth our while to spend any time reviewing 15 billion dollars in covid spending um i think it's very much worth our while i mean i remember how ridiculous it was when well i don't remember it firsthand but cd howe years ago said what's a million and everyone mocked him and now we're saying what's 15 billion
3: well that's the question john even if you went through the process and you sort of threw out a wide net just by for example sending letters to all the people that had received these funds and said, hey, you know, this is what we're looking to do. You never know. There might be some people that might cast, or, you know, cast up a billion dollars and you now have... An extra billion dollars in your coffer just for sending out letters. That's what happens when you go through a collection process. Some people respond, some people don't. The others that don't, hey, maybe you let them go. But the others that do, you have a billion dollars in your in your in your in your wallet.
2: If they're trying to say that what they mean by that is that in the end they wouldn't find that many people that ought to be sending the money back, I could accept that, but do it as a percentage. Okay, we're just gonna randomly do ten percent of this and see what we get if practically nothing comes back, we'll stop. But if a healthy percentage is coming back, we'll go forward. But you know, don't tell me it's not worth your time to do your work when you're telling us you want a 30% raise.
0: Well, See, Dave, I, I, I read it the other. I read it the other way. I read it as it it wasn't worth it because it's going to cost us more, or close to the 15 billion dollars to do the work. This to me is about the inefficiency, just overarching inefficiency of CRA. Uh, and, and your example of this morning chasing 400 is a great one, John. In terms of priorities, where we put our attention, all of this. Kind of thing. So, if we're at a stage where we can't, we're going to spend more to 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 chase the money than than we're going to get back. I think that overarching the whole story here is around the inefficiency and the mismanagement at that level of government.
1: So, there is a forty five year old billionaire. (laughs) uh tech guy in California who is trying to stay young and he's spending 2 million dollars a year in doing so. I'm just looking for my account of this thing because it's outrageous what this guy does. Here we go. Uh he calls it operation blueprint. I have to think it's an error Jerry where it says Uh, At his home in Venice, California, he's subjected to a daily litany of blood tests and colonoscopies. I I hope he doesn't get a daily colonoscopy.
2: (laughs) I don't want the job of
1: actually doing that
2: uh, for him unless he's figured out how to do it himself. And he's so obsessive; he he has (laughs) really home
0: home colonoscopies. I'm
2: going to put those on the market, Dave. Okay, (laughs) and then you could do a podcast about it. But um, we—he takes 1,977 calories a day. That's obsessive to have the number exactly that, 1,977 calories a
1: day. It it sounds like a stupid life. Well, and also it sounds like a kind of a miserable life. I mean, I guess vegans can be happy, but Courtney Betty, um, he insists that he gets himself checked out all the time. He has the lung capacity of an 18-year-old and the skin of a 28-year-old.
3: Well, I think, John, he's so focused on trying to extend life that he's not living and, you know, going through all of that process. Uh, it does make sense. But when you've got the kind of money that you do, that he does, then, hey, you know, that's the, the those are the options that you have.
2: He's going to get hit by a truck.
3: There you go. Last thoughts, Dave Travers?
0: Well, I think there's a bigger issue here in terms of the number of people who are actually in the next, you know, 10 or 15 years are going to break through the 100 years. You know, they're all going to be celebrating centenary birthdays. And that demographic is growing. So this story, while it's kind of goofy one, actually raises the question, how are we going to support the four of us when we're all 100 years old? And what, are, what is it we're going to do in terms of living our lives, as Courtney puts it? This is a big question that we're really going to have to deal with, and it's, and it's coming. I'll, I'll agree to leave at 100. Go <laughs> check it out. It'll be like Logan's run. All right. Leave, leave, leave the bike. Leave,
1: leave the bike there. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.